Dr. Fiona back. Welcome. Nice to be here. And you don't have to do the whole thing by yourself this week. <laughs> I'm thrilled that Cheryl's feeling better. <laughs> oh, thank now, you. Now, that's the, mo- the most important thing we do. We we have our brooch watch on Cheryl. She's got a – well, you've got a wedge of watermelon on there. What's going I on? I have. Well, I thought we'd talk about um, eating watermelon. We w- might enjoy it, but sometimes it's not exactly what our dog should be having. Oh, of course. You come to just party poop them, haven't you, as well? <laughs> oh, some dogs enjoy it. <laughs> Fair enough. Watermelon, yay or nay for your dogs. We'll also have the Pets of the Week for you and answer your questions. You can do what uh, Diana has done. And, Diana, we're uh, looking to see uh, what we can feed your little puppy. What's happening, Diana? Okay. Look, I was just up visiting my grandchildren up in Brisbane and they've had a, got a beautiful new Groodle. It's about four months old now, I suppose. And they bought it a great big bone from those pet marts that sort of like smoked and wrapped in you know, air-wrapped yeah, and everything. Y- yeah. And I was really worried because I thought I'd read that you can't give them that bone because it splinters when they eat it. Yeah, look, Diana, you've um, you've got a lot of things right there with what you, you've said. It wouldn't be my choice um, to feed a puppy uh, one of these sort of, yeah, dried pork bones. I think, number one, definitely I would never recommend feeding a cooked bone for this for the reason that you've said because they can splinter. Um, yep. The other thing, the other comments I would make, if it's all right, pork can sometimes upset their tummy um, more so than sort of beef or chicken, for example. So pork isn't what I would personally no. recommend. Well, see, those kids went. They pooled their money. It was about ten, fifteen dollars. Oh, bless them! And they pooled their money and bought this dog, this bone. And I, I, oh, when I saw it, I, I started to get really worried because I read and heard from you on Pet Chat before, and I thought it was a bit dangerous. Yeah, and look, um, I mean, the puppy's prob, the bone's probably too big for the puppy to do much damage, but mm. it's just not the sort of thing that I would recommend, Diana. And can they have other bones? Can they? Can you give it bones or not? Look, that is a minefield um, yeah, of information. Okay. Yep. A couple of a couple of sort of rules of thumb for me: never cooked. Um, no. The other thing is any weight bearing bones. So if you think about a cow or a sheep yeah, standing up, bone. yeah, any bone. of the weight bearing bones have what we call really thick cortexes. So they're really thick, hard outer bone, and that yep. they can very easily chip teeth. Okay, okay. so they're they're an absolute no no. Beyond that, I probably wouldn't comment. I'd say seek advet, seek advice from your vet. Okay, look, thanks. So much for Best that. of luck with it. Thanks, Diana. All right, best of luck for you, Diana. Good afternoon, Warwick, who is in Merriwell in the Upper Hunter. G'day, Warwick. Glad to have you here. And your cat has uh, got some issues, Warwick. Yeah, she has. Thanks for taking my call. Pleasure. Um, How yeah, can we help? Yeah, I thought I'd give you a ring because I'm not up there at the moment. I've got other medical problems. But anyway, um, before I came down, the cat was showing signs where she couldn't wee. She okay. wanted to wee and she couldn't wee and she was getting a bit agitated anyway. To cut a long story short, I took her into the vets and they did a ultrasound on her. Yes. And uh, I collected some wee when I came home with the proper crystals and that. They, mm. they did that. Now, apparently she's got crystals in her bladder. Okay. Now, they gave me antibiotics and that, which we have been giving her, and the cat's fine. She seems like she's back to normal. Mm-hmm. Um, but they said to me that they couldn't identify off the ultrasound whether she might have also had stones. Okay and they want to x-ray her, but they can't do that there, so I've got to travel her away, which I could do. That's not a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but they mentioned to me that I could treat these. Well, when my dog, I had a dog and he had crystals and they gave me something that I could give him, like medication that got rid of the crystals. Yeah. Um, but they tell me with the cat, I don't know whether that's right or wrong, this is why I'm ringing, that I have to put her on a special diet to get rid of the crystals. Yeah, sure. Um, first and foremost, I'd say whoever's worked up your cat's done a really good job and a really thorough job, and I agree with everything that you've said. Um, right. So the reason that we recommend diet change with animals with crystals in their bladder is it's often due to the pH of the urine that these crystals form in the first place. So right. if you have a pH of a particular measurement, then you're more likely to get crystals in the bladder. And the purpose of the urinary food is to change that pH so that the crystals are unable to form. Okay. Right. Now, depending yeah. on what type of stones the vet's worried about, uh, sometimes so some stones you can see on X-ray, some you can see on ultrasound, some you can see on both. So you do need the combination. Um, right. Now, some stones can be dissolved with uh, specific urinary food, but then we are then we have the risk of the stones being small enough that they can then get stuck in the urethra. And then right. we get a blocked bladder and that becomes quite an emergency. Right. Um, so does that answer your question? Well, it does to a point, but should I, should I try and put her on the, on the special diet for the crystals and see how I go and then see if I have another problem? Because, see, like I said, if I need to x-ray, I'll have to travel her and, and she's not happy about that in the car, you know, like... Yeah, sure. Look, half an hour. look any... Be- any cat with stones or crystals, I absolutely would be recommending urinary food um, right. or a particular food. Beyond that, without being personally involved in a case, yeah, I would yeah, recommend yeah. speak to your vet and, and voice your concerns and I guess right. just find out what their options are. Yeah, okay. And that food, do I need to go to the vet to get that or can I buy that outside of that? that uh, you, you would definitely need to get it from the vet. Thank you very much, Warwick. Best of luck for the cat and yourself as well. 49216216. G'day, Cathy at Wall's End. Your dog has got some issues at the moment. And uh, what's happening, Cathy? Um, the dog's recently been at the vet for over a week on a grip. Oh, poor uh, thing. She, yeah, she had gastro. Mm-hmm. Um, she's eating and drinking uh, like chicken and rice. She's eating chicken and rice now and um, drinking and everything. So, yep. and she's sort of uh, using a bowels and it, it's soft, but it's not runny. Okay. Um, she just doesn't seem 100%. I was just wondering, she's finished the antibiotics. I just want to um, understand how long it would take for her to recover. Yeah, sure. Okay. So, how many days has she been home, Kathy? Uh, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. She came home last Friday okay. because the vet bill was just enormous and I couldn't afford to pay any more. Okay. Um, and she started eating on the Sunday. Okay. Eating and drinking again on the Sunday. Okay. And is she getting better each day or getting worse or staying the same? Well, staying the same, I think. She... We had I had to take her to the groomer today because she stunk to high heaven, oh, and uh, she is a bit out of sorts after the, going to the groomer, mm-hmm. um, and she's just very quiet. Yeah. Okay. Look, it, what are we now? So Friday? Did you say you took her home Friday? Five. Yeah, yeah. Five. 
Five, five days. days. Oh, thanks, Mark. Good job. Um, <laughs> you know, if we're five days later, you finish the antibiotics, you're still not 100% where she's up to. Has she got a recheck booked at all with the vets? Well, no, because, again, you know, it's $90 every time you go and they ply her with drugs again and it's just can't afford it, to be honest. Okay. All right. Well, look, if, you know, if... Finances obviously are res- restricting. I would essentially say keep doing what you're doing. Yeah, um, okay. Whether there is something else going on, whether she needs further treatment, whether she needs a longer course of antibiotics, so many things, I guess, yeah. are potential options, Kathy. It's a little bit hard to say without um, seeing her. But as long as yeah. she's getting better each day, I'd be well, happy to sit on it. And drinking, which- yeah. I'm happy about. Yeah, and, and it, look, if uh, she was in the hospital for a really long time, she's going to have probably lost a bit of weight because she hasn't oh, been yeah, eating. She's lost a lot of weight. Yeah, so it is going to take some time for her to get back to normal. But um, okay. if you're if you're prepared to to keep doing what you're doing at home, then yeah. that would be my suggestion. Okay, thanks very much. Best of luck. Thanks, Kathy. Right across Newcastle, the Hunter Valley and your place as well, too, in URFM 103.7. As we continue Pet Chat, Dr Fiona is here. We've put you to work this morning, this afternoon, haven't we, love? You've been all all over it. That's why I'm here. I'm so excited to answer people's questions. And now you get to sit in neutral for a couple of minutes and ride down the hill. because Cheryl. Cheryl, we we had um, dogs and bones earlier on, and (laughs) now you want to look at dogs and watermelon. And watermelon, yes. We all love our watermelon, but should we be giving it to our pets? Now, I have a bit of a thing about making sure that people stick to dog diets for dogs and human food for humans, because sometimes things we go giving our dogs can make them sick. So one of the things that I'm funny about is introducing new foods to dogs. So if you haven't given your dog watermelon before and you're sitting there thinking, I'm going to share a little bit, Make sure if you do give it, you give a small amount because 10% of dogs have allergies or intolerances to new foods. So you can actually trigger a response in your dog that may end up at the vets. So what we want to make sure is if you're giving something new, you monitor what reaction the puppy or the dog has. So if you give some watermelon and you notice the dog becomes itchy or if it gets some hives, it could um, get some gastro problems, anything that's different, you just want to make sure that you do not continue to give that food to the puppy because these things can actually make them quite unwell and then you'll have a dog that will have some um, gastro problems and, and then you'll end up you know, chasing your tail a little bit trying to make sure that that dog recovers as quickly as possible. So do monitor what you're giving your dog. The thing is, too, with watermelon, it's 90% water, so it has a really hydrating effect. So if you overfeed it, you will end up with your dog with um, having diarrhoea, and this isn't somewhere that you want to be Comes in one end, goes out the other. Yeah, and that 90% water, I mean, obviously it's hydrating, but we just want to make sure that we're not feeding too much. About half a cup full of um, watermelon would be ample to give any dog at any point. And if you are overdoing it, you'll notice that the... um, Feces will become stained. They, the um, the um, lipocene, I think it is. Yeah, lipocene in the in the watermelon is causes that red factor, and so then you'll oh, have I a dog with that. a lot of oh, there we go, <laughs> with a, a lot of um, red poo rather than looking normal. So some of the things that we need to be careful about is also if you have a diabetic cat or a diabetic dog, I should say, we want mm. to make sure that we um, check with your vet. So, Fiona, that would be something that you'd need to do is checking in on giving any new foods to a diabetic oh, pet. Absolutely, because the carbohydrate um, intake of the food just causes a 
variation in your um, blood glucose and therefore the effect that the insulin is going to have. And so, yeah, with diabetics, your number one rule is same food all the time, same feeding time, same volume. So things like new food, absolutely you'd be wanting to chat to your vet. Yeah. And the other thing too, often people give um, like the rind, the, the, the whiter part and mm. green part of the um, the watermelon to a pet. Now that's quite hard. It's very firm and, and a dog can actually chew chunks off. Now that becomes a choking hazard. So avoid giving the rind to your pet. The other thing is it can cause obstructions once it gets into the stomach and we have all sorts of problems going on there. So avoid the rind. The other thing is if you are feeding watermelon, take the seeds out because those seeds are really dense. And if there's a fair few there again they can cause some problems with the digestive digestive system so we want to make sure that we're only giving the flesh but mainly I'd like people to just stick with giving dog food to their dogs. Sounds like a sensible plan to me. I wonder how many of the problems that end up in the see folks like yourself Fiona could be avoided if people would you know People food for people, dog food for dogs, cat food for cats. That is a minefield. Yes, I agree with that statement. (laughs) I love how you just kind of wanted to know sell that but had no choice but to engage with it. But but dogs are mainly carnivores, so they don't Mm. really have a need for fruit and vegetables in their diet. So if we really stick to their foods, we're going to do those dogs with intolerances and food allergies an absolute huge favour. And I suppose if you're out there in the wild, a dog wouldn't be cracking open a watermelon that just sort of came across on the side of the street, would it? You One know? would assume not. You would assume not, you know. Cheryl is here, of course, with her watermelon badge looking a million bucks. <laughs> Dr Fiona is here ready to delve into urinary uh, issues with cats. That's kind of what Nick was trying to get to before a phone uh, uh, dropped away there, uh, Fiona. Yeah, absolutely. I guess I just thought it was a good opportunity to discuss um, a bit more about urinary tract infections with cats. Um if you see your cat trying to wee and no wee is coming out, that is absolutely a veterinary emergency, particularly if your cat is a boy. Because um, as we just discussed earlier in the show, if you have a bladder stone in the bladder, you can actually get a blockage in the urethra, which is the part where the wee comes out. So that becomes a real life and death emergency. Uh, so if your cat is struggling to wee or posturing to wee or weeing in an inappropriate spot or... Um, licking around their back end a lot more than normal. Any of those uh, reasons are definitely uh, good reasons to seek veterinary advice. Uh, There are lots of situations where urinary issues in cats are actually due to stress rather than infection. So very commonly we get urinary tract issues that are stress-induced rather than um, bacterial-induced, which is one of the reasons that it's so important we actually analyse urine under the microscope when we get it um, because it's stress often stress related there we treat it very differently than we would a bacterial infection um, so lots of different causes I guess and therefore not necessarily treatments are all the same um, but I guess yeah number one if you do see your cat struggling to urinate or posturing to urinate and nothing coming out then definitely call your vet so then if it's a stress problem then it comes back to well let's work from the back to the front try and figure out what's causing the cat all the stress absolutely absolutely um so that's often more it turns into a behavior consult really Mm. rather than a medical consult um cats definitely with if you have multiple cats in your household the number of litter trays you have should be the number of cats plus one and they shouldn't all be lined up in the same place they should be all placed in different areas around the house because cats without their owners realizing will often resource guard things So if you've got one particularly dominant cat 
and the four litter trays are in the laundry and the dominant cat just sits outside the laundry, they're effectively blocking access to the toilet for all the other members of the cat family. So that's a big source of stress for cats. Yeah, well, particularly if you need to go to the toilet. Absolutely, if you need to go to the toilet. It's kind of an important thing. Yeah, absolutely. So separating your litter... Get out of my way. (laughs) So separating the litter litter trays. Each cat in the household you'll find will have like a favourite area or an area that they want to spend the most time in. So within each cat's area you need... Um, a litter tray, you need a food bowl, you need a water bowl, you need some kind of perch, like a a resting spot up high, particularly they like that, or in a sunny spot. So multi-cat households do become a bit of a juggling act. Um, And so it is, I guess, important to be mindful of making sure the cats have all the resources that they need. Particularly if you've got a plus one everything. Absolutely. Three cats plus one, that's four spots for everything. I know, I know. Four foods, all the rest of it. Yeah, and then, of course, if you've got one cat that likes eating and three cats that don't like eating, (laughs) that just opens up a whole new can of worms. (laughs) But, you know, as I always say, cats are the best animals, so... There are lots of people that would agree with you, Mark. Yeah, and we've got one for you with our dog and cat of the week. We'll start with the cat today. Kazi, a nice, sweet, gentle little cat. A bit shy, uh, but we'll come up to you for a bit of attention as well. And uh, has uh, currently in the house where she's being fostered, actually has befriended the little sausage dog as well. So that's kind of good. She's dogs and very cats, cute. Yeah, living together. Coexisting, yes. Um, very gentle and once settled, should be okay with kids. Um, but hasn't met many younger kids yet. She's okay of the uh, the bigger ones apparently. Uh, needs to be an inside cat um, and is uh, or, or either that or it's the only cat or with a confident friendly cat as well again making sure you got all the extra water bottles and toilet spots as well yeah. Um, so yeah maybe uh, should be fine with other cats as long as she has plenty of space which again goes into the point Same, that the animal's yeah, making yeah absolutely um, Shell, how do we describe this this beautiful creature here oh she's absolutely gorgeous she's gorgeous yeah yeah, no, she's really lovely. She'll make a nice pet for somebody. Yeah, nice black and white little yeah. number. We move down to our dog of the week, a two-year-old mini poodle known as, well, it could be one of two choices, but we think it's Louie, not Lewis. We think it's Louie. It's next, Louie from now. Yeah. Louie. All right, miniature poodle, gentle, sweet-tempered, uh, likes lots of cuddles, loves to snuggle up on the lounge with you and watch TV, so some are into that, some are not, I guess. Uh, walking okay as well, so that's nice. Toilet train, big tick there, and knows how to use the doggy door and a bit of patience uh, to learn some new tricks as well. Um, so, again, these type of dogs, ladies, the best type of household? Uh, well, certainly someone that's prepared to address the grooming issues of a dog mm. that, that does need grooming every couple of months, definitely. Um, someone that he would probably enjoy having someone home more often than not, mm-hmm. um, may not be necessarily suitable for a, a loud or a busy uh, busy household, um, but I think there'd be plenty of houses that would be just perfect for him, yeah, Cheryl. Absolutely, I agree with that. He's quite a nice little dog. Now, I, I know that you like the bigger poodles, but mm-hmm. maybe have a little tiny one as well, Cheryl, so mm. we might be able to wrap this up nice. And... No, no, no. This is for somebody else. He's <laughs> right. got someone. Louis or Lewis is Louis. A ready Louis to Louis someone else's favourite yes. perfect dog. You can check out our Dog and Cat of the Week up at our website at 2NURFM.com.au. And if you have a question for our team, ladies, it's kind of that time again. We've had the really warm weather last week and some more of it on the way uh, later this week, and that means... Snakes. Yeah. Oh. It's certainly, yeah, whether it was that sort of 
sudden really, really hot weather that brought them all out potentially, but they mm. are out and they are causing havoc amongst our pet population. Now, I have, I have a question for you. How do you actually go about treating a snake? If you have, Because folks do have them as pets. Yes. And they come in with uh, some dramas. I mean, what's the... I mean, it's a bit different to treating a dog, I suppose, where you can just you know calm the dog down. I mean, how do you, how do you get involved with a snake? Are you talking about a snake that's injured, or yeah. are you talking yeah. like a like, like a brown snake? Or a, oh no, no, no! <laughs> I know the nasty ones are out there, but hey, I have a snake at home as my pet, you yes. know, and it's got some problems. I bring it in. How do you go about that? So there's a couple of exotic vet clinics in Newcastle that do an exceptional job of treating our reptiles and, and our that's their problem fairies. not yours <laughs> no I wouldn't say that I would say they are definitely the um, ones to seek mm. advice from because you know I'm the first to admit I don't know everything about everything and mm-hmm. if I know someone that can do a better job I'll pass them their way would you like to get involved in looking up after reptiles no. Look, Mark, it's not my thing. I have my interests and I'm sure others have other interests. Cheryl, did you see the bad look I got there when I asked? It was a simple, curious question. It wasn't. Well, I thought we were talking about snake bikes and cats and dogs. Isn't well, that what we were talking well, we about? Do, well, you know, it's snake season. I mean, people do have snakes as pets they as well. They do. They do. All right. Well, aren't you all very lucky that we've run out of time? Dr. Fiona, Cheryl Shaw is always a pleasure. Cheryl, you're away last week. Good to have you back after being unwell. Thank you. Definitely. And then you're off next week as well. So. Yeah. That's the life of luxury over there. (laughs) We will see you later. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.